Listening to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Welcome to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. This is my very first podcast ever. That's uh, young Zane Emerson right there, yeah. and I'm... You're my old Jack Miller, my da- dad. Otherwise known as dad. Welcome to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, episode one. We've put a lot of work into this and to make it... A good first episode for you guys. We definitely have. Now, Zane, why don't you tell the folks listening at home what the episode is about? Well, the episode's about family, the Emerson family, which is the family that my mom is from. Me and my sister Hadley have the same last name. Emerson. But my dad decided not to change his last name. I guess we could talk about the reason for that, which is that when mom and I got married, we decided that we were going to both keep our last names. And that's a pretty traditional thing now. It used to be the tradition was that women would take the husband's last name, but it's gotten more and more common that women keep their own last name. So we did that. And then when we went to have children, we decided that we would give both or all the kids the same last name. We didn't know if we were going to have two yeah. or more. What I heard is that you were originally going to name the boy Miller and the girl Emerson. That's right. We didn't know whether the first child was going to be a boy or a girl, yeah. so we just left it up to nature's chance mm-hmm. what the last name was going to be. So yeah. boy would get my last name, and then all the kids would get my yeah. last name. Girl would get yours. So first child decided the last name of all the kids. But um, when he saw me, he decided I wasn't. I didn't look like a Miller. No, you popped out, and it's not that you didn't look like a Miller. It's that the name Zane Miller... Just didn't seem to fit you, Zane Emerson. And we had the we had the middle name Hayes. Zane Hayes Emerson. Everybody who was there agreed that sounded like a future president or perhaps a nineteenth century president oh. uh, reincarnated. Oh really? I didn't know that. Zane Hayes Emerson. So that's why you guys have mom's last name. Oh. Now you're part of the Miller family and the Emerson family. I have a feeling we're we're kind of getting astray here. We started talking about the fact that the first show of the Zane Dead Radio Hour is about the Emerson family. Before we go into the show, should we um tell the folks listening back home how we started i suppose we could do that okay zane why don't you you start that story that's kind of your story all right so um it was one evening dad was sitting in a lawn chair in our backyard and somehow we were talking about god i think i was somehow you brought it up i brought up like religion some and then um we had an excellent conversation about god and uh at the end of it, we were sort of sitting there in the hot summer evening. And I just said, I, I don't remember why I said it. I said it out of the blue. I wish we could have a podcast. And then I said, we can. That's what led us to here. We're doing it right now. My wishes come true. So a hot spring evening's discussion about God turned into the Zane and, and Dad, Dad Radio Lee Hour. Well. Yeah. But before we can get on with the show, we have to take care of a little business first. Is your vacuum cleaner up to the task of cleaning your home, office, or other business establishment? Or do you need a more powerful vacuum? We've got the answer to your dreams. The Blaine Titanium 5. The Blaine Titanium 5 is a complete canister vacuum system featuring a 4.6-quart air-clean dust bag with spring-loaded self-sealing collar, HEPA air filter, and lightweight skeleton construction. The Blaine Titanium 5 has a low-noise, 1,200-watt patented Blaine Titanium motor providing 380 air watts of suction power. I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. The Blaine Titanium 5. It can suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Don't wait for a cleaner life. Buy the Blaine Titanium 5 now at W Vacuum, Portland, Oregon. W. It's not clean until we say it's clean. The Blaine Titanium 5 is a proud sponsor of the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Okay, well, we're back. To kick off the show, our first segment's going to be about parents telling stories about their kids, or in this case, my aunts and uncles telling stories about my cousins. Roll it. This actually just happened recently. We were over here at the farmhouse. So Griffin and Lila were on the green electric gator, and Lila came up to the deck, and she said, Griffin won't let me drive. And we said, well, he just drove a little bit, so... You know, why don't you ride with him? And in the meantime, Griffin's sitting in the yard, quietly, listening maybe. It sounded like he was listening to what we were doing, not driving. 
And Nyan Sly said, well, you know, why don't you just ride with him? And Lila said, but I don't want to ride with him. At that time, Griffin shouted from the yard, bye, Lila, and he turned and drove off. My story about Hadley comes from the day that she was born. She was born in our house in Seattle, and right when she popped out, before we even cut the umbilical cord, the midwife put her up on Shannon's chest, and I was right there next to Shannon, and Hadley just immediately was looking right at both of us, looking us straight in the eyes, back and forth. Her eyes were going back and forth between my eyes and Shannon's eyes, and it was amazing because right then and there, it was like this little creature who's literally seconds old seems to be looking right at both of us with complete understanding and awareness. And she's been looking straight into our eyes and people's eyes ever since. And I just can't help but think that she was who she is right from that very first moment when she had her eyes wide open and she was looking right at both of us. He was probably four. I think he was four years and old. And we were, we were living together. Brandon and I were living in Columbus, Ohio. And I worked with this girl, a real good friend of mine. And, and you know, we were just getting to know each other and hanging out a lot. And my friend Tanya she said, I want to have a play date with Brandon. And she just got a new puppy. Let's meet at the park. And she'd called on the phone. There weren't cell phones or anything. So she calls on the phone. You know, and she had talked to Brandon and we were all excited. We had this, we finally met at the park. this um, just great play date and so much fun. And, you know, he's such a fun little kid and loved the puppy. And it was this wonderful day. It was nice because I hadn't lived in Columbus that long and she was one of my first friends there and so I said oh this is really great and we were leaving and she said Brandon it's so nice to finally meet you and he said nice to meet you too even though I thought you were going to be white but you're black and it wasn't and he was a little kid and it wasn't in any way judgmental um, she said oh did I sound white on the phone he said you sounded white but you're kind of brownish you're kind of tan. I had this moment of thinking, oh my gosh, is she going to be offended by that? And she, to this day, we're still friends to this day, and thinks it's the most hilarious story. And what a cute story that, like he was saying it is in, oh, but I thought you were going to have blonde hair. She she loves that story. And we, it really, um, it really cemented our friendship. So Lila was probably about nine or nine and a half months old. And she's always been a very sensitive kid seems to understand emotion really really well and I think the time that I first realized how mature she was we were standing in the driveway and it was a fall day and she couldn't even walk yet and I was holding her hmm. and the wind blew my hair in my face and she very gently looked at me and wiped the hair out of my face and tucked it behind my ear. And I couldn't believe that a little baby would have the dexterity to do it, first of all, but also would, would have the concern and the caring to make sure that I was comfortable. This story is about Lila's first cuss word. Well, let's see. The first time it happened might have been... I think both happened within the last year. The first time she did it, I was just carrying her upstairs and taking her into the bathroom to do her bedtime <laughs> stuff. And as I set her down on the bathroom floor, she just said, shit. And I said, what'd you say? She said, she looked up at me kind of <laughs> hesitantly. She said, shit. I said, no, honey, that's you can't say that. That's an adult word. You're, you're not allowed to say that. You're too young. And then, and that was kind of it, you know, kind of feeling her, feeling it out. And then the next time, which was um, probably just a couple months ago, a few months ago, we were playing Go Fish. And she had somebody, they had a certain card and they said, no, Go Fish. So she was, ho she, she went Go Fish and as she pulled up her card, she was hoping it was something particular. She looked at it and it wasn't. And she said, shit. And I said, no, on the steps. You're in trouble. So Zane has always been kind of an odd combination of fearless and matter of fact. And I, I remember we were at Disneyland with John and Toby, his grandparents, and there was a ride called California Screamin', which was obviously a pretty wicked roller coaster. And Hadley and Toby didn't want to go on it, but Zane was he was just perfectly happy. He's like, sure, I'll go on it. And we get on there and it's Shannon and John and I and Zane and it takes off, it shoots you out like a shot, 
and you go through loop loops and twists and all kinds of turns and it's just this you know pretty hairy roller coaster and Zane is sitting there not screaming but also not looking particularly like he's having a good time but he's not terrified or anything and then we get, we get off and we're done and I it's been great Shannon loved it John loved it and Zane just says very matter-of-factly I don't think I'll do that again and that's, that's how he kind of reacts to stuff like that. He did it, but he didn't like it, but uh, didn't flip out. Just said, nah, I don't think I'll do that again. We have a woman who comes and watches Ike while Emma and I are at oh, work. She's from Mexico. Her name is Rita. And so she speaks Spanish to Ike. When she's around, he'll speak about 30% Spanish, 70% English, and he'll mix it up in the sentences all the time. Can you give me, like, an example? He'll say, Daddy, uh, yeah, that means... Daddy, let's go outside, let's go over there, or Daddy is over there. And two quick little stories. One thing was, he was saying this word for about three weeks. Emma and I thought maybe he was just not able to say whatever the word really was. Like he'd go, uvas, uvas. And for three weeks, we had no idea what he meant. I thought he was making up a word. Well, here, that's the word for grapes. And all he was doing was asking for grapes the whole time. We thought we were, we were just idiots. He was speaking, he was saying it perfectly, and we just had no idea. So I think the first time I ever heard him say an almost complete sentence was in Spanish and it was one day when I came home from work. I usually go home from work around 5.30 and Rita's there with him and next to our house we a little driveway where we have some chairs set up and I got off my bike. I got my bike to work, set it down, was talking with Rita and Ike comes out and he says, Rita, siatate allá, which means Rita, sit down over there. And this was a couple months ago so oh. he was only like 18 months old. That was one of the first times I heard him put more than one word together and he ordered her to sit down. Tegan was a baby we were living at 3741 Windwood Drive, Rockford, Michigan, in our house we lived in for about 15 years. Michelle was upstairs, and I was sitting in the living room on the floor with Tegan, and I was feeding her a bottle. She was a really young baby, I don't know, maybe less than six months old. And she was eating. I was watching TV, rocking back and forth, feeding her a bottle. And all of a sudden, she spit the bottle out, her head went back, and she stopped sucking, and she stopped breathing. And I could tell, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I screamed, Michelle! And she came down, and I stuck my finger in her mouth and tried to pry her jaws open, but her jaws were completely shut. So Michelle called 911, and then I brought her into the kitchen, on the kitchen counter, and turned her over, and patted her on the back, and to try to get her to start breathing again. Yeah. And then someone came from somewhere in our neighborhood who had heard the 911 call or heard the ambulance call. And the ambulance was there in about 10 minutes. It was really fast. But she stopped breathing for, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute, maybe longer. And she started turning completely white. And, and meanwhile, Delaney came down and she was just about one and a half years old. And she said, what's wrong with the baby? And all the time we're trying to get Tegan to breathe. And she started breathing. So the ambulance came and took her away. And I rode behind in the car. I think Michelle drove in the ambulance. I'm not sure. And then it all worked out because Tegan kept breathing and she was okay. And that was the only instance they ever had of that. Griffin has always loved music since he was a little baby. Mm. And he would always dance even before he could crawl. And uh, there was one day that... Um, we were at Walmart and we were doing some shopping, going through the aisles, and they play some pretty typically bad music, but there's a lot of good beats to the music. And I was walking down the aisle and I looked back and I didn't see Griffin. I looked way farther down the aisle and Griffin was rocking out some air guitar in the middle of Walmart. And he was just dancing and feeling it. It was pretty awesome. Emma had a book where she could write down a possible name for her child. The girl names were Peach and Marlo. She had boy names, too. My favorites were Hank and Huck. I kept my running list of names, okay. and we kept discussing them and putting the ones that we liked at the top of the list. So okay. when I was supposed to have Ike, and he actually came earlier than we had Mm. Hope Dave. he was supposed to be born on November seventh, and he was born on October fifteenth. He came out really quick, so quick that we didn't even have a name for him yet. We didn't even oh. have a car seat for him yet. We cool. didn't even have pajamas for him. So we had to call upon Aunt Krista and Uncle Tate to bring us a car seat that was Lila or Griffin's and some pajamas. Good thing they had those. So he was born, and then they take him away. What did they take him away for. 
They have to do tests and they also okay. do it to give me some rest. We wanted to call everyone and tell them I had the baby. Surprise! I was born early. No one knew. So before we called, Brandon said, we have to name this baby. What are we going to name this baby? And I said, let's look at our names that we had discussed. And I said, how about Hank? And he said, I don't like Hank. And I said, well, what about Huck? And he said, no, it just doesn't seem right. I was really pushing and I said, these are the names that we thought of. We should just go with these names. And yeah. so I was thinking, laying in this hospital bed and I was thinking, what am I gonna name this child? I said, what about Ike? Because I had remembered Ike from watching a football game. I can't quite remember the, the game or the team or even the last name of the player, but I remember someone said Ike, and I said, wow, that's simple, it's cute, yeah. and yeah. I really like it. And um, yeah. I think Ike uh -huh. Emerson sounded really great. Yeah. And so then we just decided on Ike Emerson, and we picked yeah. a middle name out of the blue as well. We just went through syllables, because we wanted a two-syllable. So why? Because Ike Emerson, the one syllable is great. And then we yeah. wanted a double for the middle name. How did you end up picking his middle name? Porter is kind of a beer. It's also like a person that helps you with your bag. So that's that's the story of how I got his name. Lenny was two and a half when Tegan was born, and I was really worried how she would be around the new baby. She'd be sad, and would she feel left out? I think parents try to prepare their kids, but there really isn't. You, you can, I mean, especially a two and a half year old, you can explain that the baby's coming. So we, so I kept trying to tell Delaney and trying to explain it to her. So I. So she was at home, and then Brett brought her in the first day, and she, he brought her in to come into the hospital and see the baby, and she said, I don't like her. Brought Tegan home, we, and we said, oh, the baby has a present for you, so we gave her a present, and she was okay the first, I would say, a couple of weeks, and I said, so Delaney, do you like your baby sister? Do you, is she fun? And she said, yes, are we done with her? When are we gonna bring that baby back to the hospital? She lives with us now. She's always here. Wouldn't you miss her? And she said, oh, I would miss her. But this whole time she kept thinking, when's this kid gonna? I guess I'd never explained that we would keep her. This happened, it was about six years ago. Hadley and I had just been away at Keely and John's wedding in Colorado. And we came back, so we were probably gone four, four or five days. And Jack and I made some yogurt and blueberries for the kids and set it out for them in the kitchen. And they were sitting there having their snack. And we were in the dining room and they were having a conversation with each other. And uh, we heard Zane say, I missed you when you were at the wedding, Hadley. And Hadley said, I missed you too, Zane. And then Zane said, I love you, Hadley. And Hadley said, I love you too, Zane. And then Zane said, can I give you a hug? And then we heard them scoot out of their chairs and get down from their chairs, go around, give each other a hug, and then get back in their chairs. And then Zane said, we love each other, and now we can be best friends. So Zane was five, and Hadley was four, three. And it was so cute that we... Jack and I hatched a plan to write a kids book series called The Adventures of Bug and Lula because those were the names that I called them at the time. We never did it, but it's still a good idea. I used to think Casey was just some obscure part of the family, but now I realize he's a great storyteller. And if you don't believe me, just check out this clip. Every other weekend, I take my children, I have three kids, down into D.C. Max is currently five years old, Marin is three years old, and Ian is one year old. And so what we do is we load up our van, we drive down to D.C., and the trick is to go on a Sunday because it's free parking. And we always go and park on Maryland Avenue between, I think, 6th Street and 4th Street, right behind the National Air and Space Museum. Good parking in that area, it's by the Federal Building. So, I have a different slant, a take on all of the different museums down there based on kind of how trip friendly they are. So what we like about National Air and Space is they air condition the hell out of that building. And so if you're hot, get into that building. But the line is always long. It also has a McDonald's. It has Domino's Pizza too, all right? but. 
what they have that is annoying to us is auto flush toilets because it scares the bejesus out of you right when you're taking a dump what do you mean like well, you sit down in the toilet and it flushes and it scares you. You're like, oh my God, it sprays water everywhere. So then you, you sit, you get settled. And when you have young children, it scares them and they don't like it. You might just be sitting there and then you lean forward and flushes again. Jesus, we don't like that museum because it has auto flush toilets and the bathrooms are tiny and small. So when you have a family and you're pushing along a stroller with three kids, usually when you have to go to the bathroom, one of them has to go to the bathroom, you got to go into a stall, usually the handicap stall and sit them down. But those bathrooms are so chock full of like somebody's dad taking a crap in there that you don't want to go into those. The, the better museum to go into is right next door um, at the uh, National American Indian Museum. Oh, I thought it was like the National Native American Museum. You know, I, I thought it was a National Native American because I thought Native American is more politically correct. It's not. It's the National American Indian. That's how they say it. The bathrooms in that museum are much better. They've got manual flush toilets. They're not crowded and they're big. Wow. Lots of people can fit in there. The museum itself is very nice. Okay. Um, you ride the elevator up to the fourth floor okay. and you start up there and you work your way all the way down. And it's a round building and it has a small eatery in it as well. You seem to um, be valuing these museums in very much detail. Well, it, when you are responsible for young people and trying to figure all that out, that can be kind of a, yeah. something you catch on to. Now one place that is neat is the National Botanical Gardens. They have trees inside of these great big greenhouses. Cool. Yep. They've oh, got wow. lemon trees, lime trees, palm trees. They had an exhibit on prairie grass roots. Ooh. Their roots go down 15 feet. Seriously? Yes, they cool. they had the, the plant up here at the top near the ceiling, and then they just had the roots hanging down all the way to the really? floor. Oh wow, that's taller than two. How tall are you? I am six foot one inch. Oh wow, that that's taller than two of you. That's exactly right, almost three. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was neat. They also have a great kids area too, off to the side, and it has these auto um, misters. So when it's really hot, the kids can run serpentine through the misters, and it sprays mist everywhere. And then it also have like um, little watering areas kids can go play and our kids love playing in that area they'll go in there for hours and yeah. run around you'll, you'll have to go and say like time to go sweetie no i have to water one more plant that's right they, yeah. they they tend to fight that one let's see so after that one place not as fun to go to and that's the national gallery of art yeah it has one fun area and that's downstairs in the basement okay why is that because down the basement they have the national gallery of art is technically two buildings, or really? possibly more than two buildings, oh. on either side of, I believe, 3rd Street. All right, and so there is a tunnel that leads underneath the main building to the east side. In that tunnel, they have a little eatery down there with gelato. It's ice cream. It's really good. I mean, there's ice cream, and then there's gelato. They have this long tunnel that leads under the road. In this tunnel, there is a people mover, one of those flat escalators. Oh yeah, those things in airports? That's right, but it's not metal. It's like a conveyor belt. You ride on it and it's kind of spongy and bouncy. Oh, that's cool. The tunnel is covered in these little LEDs that flash on and off, almost random. Okay. And it just makes these wonderful wave patterns, kind of like Vegas, going over top of you as you're, as you're riding through underneath this. Once you get to the other side, there are stairs taking you up. But of course, if you're pushing a stroller, you can't really navigate stairs very well. So what we always do then is try to find an elevator. The elevator in this building is massive. Biggest elevator I've ever seen. It's easily probably 15 feet wide. Very tall because it's meant to carry big things of art. And it's not square or rectangular. I think the elevator had five or six sides. It was a random oh shape. They, this was like, this was the space, space they had in the building. So they built the elevator to match the space in the building. Are you serious? That's so cool. It was, it was, I've never oh. seen an elevator like this oh, before. Oh wow. I don't, I've never seen elevators that's anything but rectangular or square. I know. Wow. I have seen a round elevator before, but oh, this really? was not a round elevator. Yeah, it, it was, was like, like a trapezoid. It was something. Cool. Uh, I'm trying uh, to picture it, but it's really hard. Well, you have to go and see it. So. Yeah, so under underneath there, you get to the other side, and you come up, and then um, from there, it's I don't know, we didn't really we didn't get much above into the east building. I haven't taken the kids up there yet. Yeah. The gallery itself, very pretty gallery. It's artwork, so young children yeah, they could care less, and they want to touch it. And you're like, no, 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 you can't touch yeah. it. What kind of artwork? Like sculptures, paintings? Mostly paintings. There are a couple sculptures. The building itself is pretty cool, massive. There is a big round area with large columns going up, and then a dome over the top and a fountain in the middle. Oh, very pretty, yeah. very massive. It sounds like you guys have a lot of fun on these trips. 
We do. We get to see a lot of neat things. We had lunch at the Capitol. You want to know what I want to do? I want to go get tickets to climb up the Washington Monument. Haven't been able to do that because the tickets are hard to get. I want to go on one of those duck tours where you climb on, they drive on the street, and then they drive into the Potomac River. It holds maybe 20 people. You can change the mic level. I got it. What does family mean to you? I can sum it up in one word. Everything. Everything. It's, okay. um, it's the most important thing. Oftentimes the most fun thing, sometimes the most hard thing. Family are the only people that you can for sure count on. And I think that out of all the people in the world, family are the people that are always on your team, no matter what. So you stand up for them, and they stand up for you. Because nothing else matters as much as family. Nobody's going to be there for you as much as family. Nobody's going to love you as much as family. And family is fun. They're just a good time. Family means gatherings to me. I like to be able to facilitate gatherings so that family can get together. Family is the whole Emerson clan getting together. That's the best example I can think of. I like to organize gatherings where people in the family can get together and talk to each other and find out who they each are and just become good friends with each other. Family means to me always having a group of people to go on adventures with, and because they're basically stuck with you, they'll do almost anything that you can convince them to do. That's a John Emerson fire, is it not? heard from the parents. Now it's time to hear from the kids. Roll it. Lila, how did it feel to start kindergarten? He felt sad, nervous, because no, nervous I was scared. Kind of sad. I didn't, I was scared that something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to be like. It turned out to be really fun. Recently, I've been on the East Coast trip, which is a trip around the East Coast, going to Washington, D.C. and Niagara Falls. And one bus ride we had was nine hours long. So on the bus, I had to share a seat with someone. So instead of sharing the seat with them, I slept underneath the seat. I slept like that for five or six hours, and there were eight other people laying on the ground. What do you want to do when you grow up, Griffin? Wait, more cycles. This race motorcycles every day. One day at PE, we were like playing kind of like a practice softball where um, someone would just be batting and everybody else in that group would try to catch the ball. 
turn. And when it was my turn for my group, it was all girls. And instead of like trying to catch the ball when they had it, either we would all run and bump into each other, or in, instead of doing that, we would make a pyramid, and the person at the top would try to get it. And then we, after that, we would all fall down and then start laughing. And I was always on the bottom, so it really hurt when I was like, you know, when they were falling. How do it? Mama, Dada, much. What does family mean to you, Ike? Food. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, no, the Who put that? Yang. Okay, so one time I was out at recess and we were playing soccer, and then I don't really like soccer, so I was just sitting down. And then a ball, we played with more than one soccer ball. So one came flying because it hit the other one, and it came flying, and it came and hit my eye. And then it got all red and stuff. Family means that no one gets left behind. And now a word from another sponsor of the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, Wing and Wong Chinese Cuisine. Have you ever had nothing in a refrigerator and just wanted that special thing for dinner? Then come on down to Wing and Wong's Chinese Cuisine. They've got everything from egg rolls and edamame to sushi and squid fries. The only place you'll ever find better Chinese cuisine is China itself. And boy, is it expensive to go there. With nice low prices and 16 convenient locations right here in the Portland metropolitan area, you'll never have to go to China to get Chinese cuisine again. Thanks, Wing and Wong. Wing Wing and Wong Wong Chinese Chinese cuisine. cuisine. When When your refrigerator refrigerator runs runs low, low, you'll you'll know where to go. go. A proud sponsor of the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. So, Bima, I heard this great story from you, and uh, I want you to tell again on tape, so um, you can begin now. Okay, let's see. Um, Your grandfather and I were driving out west, and I can't remember the town. It was a small town, but it had a big, wide main street. And I was driving, and uh, I was in the second from the right-hand lane, and the gentleman in the right-hand lane had stopped in the middle of the road, and I could see he was stopped, and I could see that there was a, a young girl on the curb with her bicycle and he was motioning for the little girl to cross the street he was going to wait for her fortunately I saw her and I stopped so that she could go too and as I stopped I looked in my uh, outside left mirror and I could see there was a semi truck coming right beside me and he was not going to stop he was going fast and I didn't know what to do but the only thing I could think to do was I honked my horn just as the little girl was in front of my car, which startled her, and she stopped, and she looked at me, and when she looked at me, the semi-truck went past, and it, and it missed her by not very much. It shook her up, though. She went back to the curb, and she kind of sat there for a minute and waited, and then we all just drove off. I don't remember when it was, and I don't remember where it was. I just remember I can still see the picture in my mind. What? Oh, this is a recorder. I'm recording some party noise. Uh, to me, family means everything. My wife and my children are the world to me. And uh, I take a lot of pride in raising my children to be intelligent, respectful, thoughtful children. And I put a lot of faith in my wife loving me and me loving her back. Family is very important. Family means love, security, somebody who can always be there for you. Family doesn't necessarily mean blood relatives. It can be anybody. Family is somebody you can count on no matter what, and you should cherish that relationship forever. Family to me means that you have some people that you can rely on for the rest of your life to be there to help you. I guess family to me means uh, being around people who you care about, uh, people you know you can count on, and they know they can count on you for uh, just about anything in life, and uh, people you feel comfortable with. Um, I think that's what family means to me. Family means a lot of things to me. Uh, Family means love, support, um, help. People who ground you, you know, um, give you the basis that you need for your life to grow and 
kind of understand the world and the differences between what's right and wrong and um, how to live a good balanced life knowing that you have that network of people who love you unconditionally and help you move forward in your life whatever life may bring you I would say that family could be anything you define it to be it could be your actual siblings and parents or children or it could be friends or it could be distant relatives but the most important thing to me is that family equals warmth family equals the happiness that comes from human relationships what does family mean to me yes people i'm related to the people on the face of this earth that i love the most mm. that's what family is all right i said family to me meant love acceptance and community and to me, family meant all the people that you care about and, and your loved ones. Family to me is having being around the people that you love and those that love you and always being available for you and, that, and you for them. Having fun with them and being with them as much as you can. Also, I think it's the important thing is that you don't have to be with your family every single day as long as they are in your heart, in your mind, and when you can be with them, it's like you've never been away from them. Okay. Ooh, boy, that was a booger. <laughs> that's Wait, no, that's going a, on the outtake reel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if we make a bloopers episode, that's going to be in there. Oh, that's another one. <laughs> okay, introduction to Grandma, take two. I have a great-grandma who's about 93, 94. Uh, 94. Early 90s. She's getting right. up there. Early 90s, yeah. She lives really close to the farmhouse, and so all I had to do was just walk up there, and I can visit her anytime I want when I'm at the uh, farmhouse. And in this case, this past summer when you visited her, you didn't have to walk. You had a chance to do what? To go on a golf cart. My grandpa, who lives there, bought a golf cart so I can drive there. I don't have to walk anymore. You spent an awful lot of time with Grandma this summer uh, by yourself, except you had the recorder with you. I had the recorder with me, so I recorded some of my visits to Grandma's house. And for our next segment, we're going to give you a slice of that. We're going to give you just a few minutes of what Zane heard and talked about with Grandma in the summer of 2015. Roll it. Okay. So yeah, they've got that dog. Have you seen? Have you been over to see Lakota, the dog? Yeah. The newest of the dogs. Does she bite any of you? She doesn't. She well, she'll kind of. She'll she open her mouth, and you know, put her mouth on you, but she's not biting anybody. You should see Toby's arm when they first got her. Oh, it was just all blood, you know, bit. Really? Yeah. Yes, it was. It was all scarred up. But she she didn't care. I mean, yeah. it wasn't. It made a bad mark, but it didn't hurt very bad. Yeah. It made a bad mark, but it didn't make a mark on her. It did make a mark on. Her. Well, I mean, like not. I mean, on her inside. No. It didn't make a mark on her confidence. <laughs> she was. She put up with it because she liked the dog. Years ago, when we were looking at pictures of vacations. I said, oh, you look like you're having fun. And you said, those vacations were terrible for me because I had to cook and clean just like at home only I didn't have my own kitchen. Yeah. And I've, I think about that often. Yeah. Like, those, those, those vacations were vacations for everybody but you. Yeah, they were. But I wouldn't take anything for them, for the memories. But it was hard. It was. Right. You had a little kitchen inside your rented trailer. Right. Mm -hmm. You had to cook for everybody still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did go quite a bit. Clifford liked to do that. Where did you guys go? Oh, we went all over the United States. Hmm. And you know, we didn't have we didn't have air conditioning in our car. And oh, it, it was pretty hot driving. And I remember how the kids they were suffering. They were in the back seat, and Susie was in front with us, and I remember how Johnny and Steve just looked so hot. <clears throat> and we put up diapers on the windows to keep uh, the sun out. Why'd you use diapers? 
Because I guess we had some. <laughs> they were probably happy to be away from home, though, whether they were oh, hot yeah, or not. They liked to go. Yeah. But boy, that, that driving was hard in the heat with no air. What would you do with the farm when you left? We had some fellows that came and did the work. Yeah. We had a hired hand, you know, anyway. So he was the boss. He would get somebody to help him. <laughs> and the dog would be so tickled to see us when we got home. <laughs> oh, she would just run around. <laughs> so Eugene Grandy, remind me who he is. He went to Apple Creek School. Okay. Graduated from Apple Creek. <laughs> and he worked with Sears Roebuck. And there's, there's quite a few of them. Okay. And they lived, his parents lived in a house behind the uh, restaurant over in Route 30. Okay. There's a house there. Okay. And now he lived there. And his wife died. And I asked him, do <laughs> you live alone? Oh, yourself? He said, yeah. I thought maybe he had a woman, you know, but I guess not. So I told him, I said, if I was 20 years younger, I'd come live with you. <laughs> what <did> he say? <laughs> he said, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Why can't, oh. That's pretty funny, I love 20 it. 20 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> I can't know how to play that game. Here, I'll help you. No, 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 no. No, 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 in the mornings and in the afternoons, we all play the same game together. And when we do that, we curl up and go to sleep. We jumped aboard a pirate ship and the pirate said to me, Going over, going under, say attention like a soldier with the one, two, three. When I was five, I ate a pie. I jumped aboard a pirate ship and the pirate said to me, Going over, going under, send attention like a soldier with the one, two, three. And I see all the treasure and the pirate chased after me. And then I smashed him face with the pie and more and more with pie, pie, pie. This is a joke that my grandfather, Clifford Emerson, used to tell. So one day, Grandpa was working on the car. And he had the car jacked up there in the front yard. He was crawling underneath it. And as he was taking off parts of the car, they were kind of grimy. He would put them in little soup cans full of gasoline to help clean them off. Well, they had this dog, and the dog was nosing around, watching what Grandpa was doing, and went and sniffed into one of the cans and smelled it. And normally when they smell gasoline, they don't do anything. But this dog kind of smelled it and licked up something. And immediately the dog realized he had just licked up something he wasn't supposed to have licked. And he took off running. And he just tore around and ran around the house, ran out the back lane to the field, ran back, and Grandpa, meanwhile, was looking around like, what is going on with this dog? And it ran up to the barn bank, ran over to Grandpa, and stopped suddenly, and then fell over. What happened to the dog? It ran out of gas! I always think of laughter, especially when I think of our family, because yeah. everyone's hilarious <laughs> in their own different way, and I feel like people really enjoy making other people laugh, Yeah. and if you can tell a story and get the whole gang laughing, that feels really good, because you know people appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. The interesting thing about family stories is that they happen usually to more than one person. And in a lot of cases, they happen to a large group of people, the entire family. This group of people experiences the same thing, but of course they experience it in a different way. And they definitely remember it in a different way. And when they tell the story, if that story is told by different members, it's going to come out with slight but important differences of perspective. 
For our next segment, we're going to have the members of the Emerson family, John, Toby, Brett, Shannon, Brandon, and Tate, tell a story that all six of them experienced together roughly 30 years ago. We're going to hear it told from their various perspectives. Roll it. I don't remember much. I think, was it 1986? So I would have been 11 or 12, I think. Let's see. I guess I would have been six years old, maybe? Five or six? I guess I was 14. So it was 88, summer of 84, that we... Emerson's took a trip. John and I decided to take the kids to New England. And this was part of, I think it was a, a bigger New England vacation we were on. I think we were all over that part of the country. We were going to New York City. We must have traveled around. We drove from Ohio. We must have gone to various, I think maybe that was when we went to Boston. Maybe we went to New England too. I'm not sure. It was a two-week driving trip. And so I think we probably did the big the tour. We were on a vacation to Washington, D.C., and we were going to stay outside the D.C. and stay in New Jersey, I think is where it was. Fort Lee, not New Jersey, Fort Lee somewhere. We wanted to go to New York City, uh, take the kids to New York City, but we didn't want to stay in the heart of New York because it cost too much, and there were six of us. Because it, it saved money, we were staying in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which was across George Washington Bridge. And so we stayed at a hotel in Fort Lee because it was cheaper than staying in downtown Manhattan. We were going to go to New York City, and of course, we were not going to stay in New York City because why would you do that? Why would you spend additional money? And rather than pay for prices for a hotel closer to Washington, D.C., we stayed outside at a hotel that had a pool. It's pretty standard that we would get a hotel room at a hotel that had a pool because we would often take a break in the day, go swim in the pool or do it before dinner and just have that be sort of an additional fun piece to the vacation was to be able to swim and just relax. So I found, I think it was a Holiday Inn in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and we could all six stay in one room. We were staying in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and I believe it was a Holiday Inn. I imagine it was. It was something like that that had things we needed and I think there were two two queen size beds and there was a roll away and somebody slept on the floor and we kind of traded during the night or each night somebody else slept on the floor so the first morning we were going to go in to get on the subway train we called a taxi First day we were there and we tried to get over the bridge. It was early in the morning and we were going to go into New York City. We called a cab to take us there. I wasn't privy to the planning. However, on day one, we woke up at probably, you know, 6 a.m. on vacation. And so we could get a full day in. The night before, I had gone to the hotel uh, lobby and said, I have some Capri Sun, little boxes of Capri Sun drinks for the kids yeah and I asked them if they would put them in the freezer because then in the morning I would take them out and I would carry them in my backpack Mm -hmm. so they would start out frozen but by the time the kids were thirsty they were still cold so I picked those up in the morning I had those in my backpack plus other things uh, in my backpack we called a taxi or we had the hotel call us a taxi and it pulled up and there we were out out front of the hotel there were six of us and then we tried to get into the cab the cab driver said, no, 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 can't have this many people in a cab. Not going to work. The taxi showed up, and we all started piling in, and about I think half the family had gotten in when the taxi driver was like, no, too many people, I can't take this many people. So the first day we called a cab, and the cab would not take six people. It could only fit four people in it. And the cab came to the hotel to pick us up. And when he saw us, he said, no, 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 no. We all tried, all six of us tried to get into one taxi. And the driver wouldn't allow us to. And the taxi driver basically just said, no, you know, there are too many of you. You can't, I I won't take you. So then it came up, well, we would have to take two taxis. So it was going to cost us twice as much. We talked about getting two cabs, but that 
would cost twice as much money and we didn't want to spend that much money. Dad said we weren't going to pay for two cabs, so that's why we had to figure out a way to walk. We weren't going to pay for two taxis. That had been too much money. Yeah. What's the point of staying in Fort Lee if you're going to pay for two taxis? Because then you're just spending as much as you probably would have spent to have a hotel in New York City. So no two taxis. That was not, we were not going to do that. So then we had to find another route to get into the city. And I, I think, I mean, I think it must have, in my mind, it happened really quickly where it was like, okay, we can't take a taxi. Let's walk to the bus. We can do that. Dad, mom said we'd walk. Let's walk. For some reason that I will never, that I don't understand, and I have to maybe listen to other people's stories or ask mom and dad again, we had to walk to this bus. So I think Grandpa John went to the, or talked to the cab driver, and he said you could just walk across the George Washington Bridge and get to New York City and then take the, uh, the subway into the city. So what we decided to do was we decided we were going to walk from our hotel. I don't really remember anybody saying anything. So it's early. We've been rejected by the taxi. We need to get into New York City. And so the plan was we'll just walk to the bus stop. Maybe somebody told us that we could do that. I don't think so. I don't imagine anyone who knew what was going on would have recommended we walk to the bus stop. So we just started walking. And to get to the bus, we had to walk along a highway and up around an exit ramp. And there was a path there, mostly that path, it seems, was paved by homeless people because there was trash. I suppose it was a mile or so. But the problem was there were no sidewalks that went from where we were to where we were going to go. Now, there wasn't a walk that would take us through a neighborhood or on sidewalks, for instance. This was a walk that would basically take us on a trail along the highway. So to get there, we had to cross the exit ramp, and we had to walk along inside the guardrail. I have faint images of guardrail and high weeds. There was tall grass. It was summertime, so the grass was kind of dead. It was very tall grass we were walking in, walking right along the highway, right along the guardrail. And we had to sometimes get over the guardrail so we wouldn't get hit by cars. Grandpa John was in front and I was at the rear and we had four kids in between us and we walked along the freeway right up the entrance ramp. Dad liked to get up early and get our day started so we had to go up early during rush hour traffic. Parents and four young kids, you know, probably aging from second grade to sixth grade or seventh grade, something like that, had to walk along the highway to get to the bus stop. So it was quite the thing to have my mom have a backpack. And we went in the the weeds. I remember it was tall weeds, but we were over on the other side of the guardrail, so we were on the other side of the cars, but they could see us. Luckily, it was rush hour, I guess, because that meant the cars were going slowly, and they had time to look at us and say, what in the hell are those people doing? There were six of us all in a row you know, country people, first time in the city with our backpacks and our short shorts. And people were waving at us, and some people thought we were pretty silly because we looked like ducks in a row with the papa duck in front and the mama duck in the back and all the little ducklings in between. Oh, yeah. The kids were embarrassed well, because here we were walking along the highway mm-hmm. like tramps and because there was really not supposed to be anybody walking there. We were all kind of embarrassed, I think, the kids were. It's like, this isn't the cool way to do this. Mm-hmm. And the people, and like, people are probably looking at us like, who are those idiots? I was so mad, and there, uh, I remember, I can remember being so mad. I, and I remember my dad, who was leading the way, actually stopping and turning around and making us all stop and so we could take a picture of us. There's a couple pictures that we have in our photo albums of us all standing in a single line. Like dad turned around and took the picture of us in the the woods or in the weeds. And I remember at the time just 
I was so mad. I was like, I'm going to look away. My, my rebellion right now is going to be to not look in the direction of the camera. And that was so satisfying at the time. And, and, and that picture exists. I have seen it and I remembered it. And it was so satisfying to see that I, my actions were pointless and it made no difference to anyone except myself, but I felt it at the time. So I kind of remember the picture more than I remember hiking over the bridge. Yeah. And then we got to the bus station and we got on a bus and took that bus to the subway, which then took us into the city. And I was so happy to have gotten to the bus because I, I knew that we were probably going to make it into the city and that I, I only had probably three more trips along that highway. We went to the subway station and we didn't know very well how to get around and they were the nicest people that helped us out showed us a map told us we said where we wanted to go and they told us what stop we should get off we took the bus to the subway and the subway to the city and finally arose onto new york city and we had a wonderful time and i'm trying to think if we walked on the way back when we came back, I don't remember walking after, you know, at the end of the day when we came back to the hotel. And we did that several mornings. Every morning we'd get up and walk along the highway and walk along the exit ramp. And that's what we did. And, of course, for me, being 14, going to New York was going to be, like, I was going to go to New York and I was going to be amazing and I was going to see things and people were going to finally realize how uh, fantastic I was and how I belonged in a city like New York. Yet my introduction was the most horrifying and embarrassing walk with my family along the highway with all these people, legitimate city people who were actually doing the thing. And there I was just... There's no way that that was the way it was it was done, but that's the way we were doing it. But it was all it was all it's a great trip and good memories. That's my Fort Lee story. Well, Zane, we've come to the end of the first episode of the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. It's been a great adventure from collecting to editing to putting it all together. It certainly has. There have been quite a few wonderful moments. Well, what are some of your favorite moments? I like Michelle's story about Brandon. Yeah, I haven't heard that story before. I, I also haven't heard the story about how Mima saved that uh, little girl's life by beeping the horn. Pretty interesting, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Kind of scary, but fantastic. Another one of my favorite moments, uh, the Casey interview. I liked, it wasn't really a moment. I just really liked that interview in general. Yeah, Casey, he, he covered a lot of ground in that interview, and uh, he's, he's quite a talker. All the Emersons are quite the talkers. I also really enjoyed hearing the Emerson family retell the Fort Lee story from all of their different perspectives. I think one thing that I learned from that story is that when an Emerson tells a story, you can believe it, because those were six different people telling the same story, and they weren't in the room with each other at the time. They were isolated from each other, and the details lined up pretty well. So they all do have a factual, pretty objective uh, memory of that story. So that's, that's something to know about this particular family of storytellers, is that they tell a true story well. They're not necessarily people who make a tall tale. Hasn't it been a great first episode? I'm really pleased with it, and I think that it's been a learning experience for both of us. Yeah, I learned how to edit audio, which was great. And we both learned an awful lot about interviewing people and about how to organize information for a podcast. It's taken a long time to get from our idea to the end of this podcast, but now that it's over, I'm feeling kind of sad. Yeah, a little nostalgic about the process of producing our very first Zane and Dad Radio Hour episode, but it's not the last. Oh no, not by a long shot. You will hear from the Zane and Dad Radio Hour yet again. To get future episodes of the Zane Dad Radio Hour, just subscribe to the White Tiger Radio or go to zaneemerson.com. You don't need to miss future episodes. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. Trust me. Even if we do say so ourselves. I'm Zane Emerson. And I'm Jack Miller, otherwise known as Dad, signing, signing off. off. The Zane and Dad Radio Hour is co-produced by Zane Emerson and Jack Miller. 
Episode 1, A Family of Storytellers, was conceived and directed by Zane Emerson, written and edited by Zane Emerson and Jack Miller. Parents Telling Stories About Their Kids was recorded and edited by Zane Emerson, with contributions by Jack Miller. Interviews with Tate, Krista, Michelle, Brett, Brandon, Emma, Shannon, and Jack. The Lila Song was written and performed by Brandon Emerson in Duck, North Carolina, July 2010. The Cousins Talking About Themselves was recorded by Zane Emerson and edited by Jack Miller. Interviews with Lila, Delaney, Tegan, Griffin, Ike, and Hadley. A Visit to Grandma's House was recorded by Zane Emerson and edited by Zane Emerson and Jack Miller. Appearances by Louise Emerson Schrock, Zane Emerson, Jack Miller, and Shannon Emerson. What Family Means was recorded by Zane Emerson and edited by Jack Miller, with interviews from Alyssa, Brandon, Ed, Jenny, Jake, James, Joey, Keely, John, Krista, Kristen, Matt, Olivia, Michelle, Toby, Zane, Lynn, and Tate. The Fort Lee story was recorded by Zane Emerson and edited by Jack Miller. The Casey interview, Mima Saving a Little Girl's Life, and The Dog Joke were recorded and edited by Zane Emerson. The Zane and Dad Radio Hour was made possible by support from White Tiger Radio, The Blaine Titanium 5, W Vacuums, Wing and Wong Chinese Cuisine, The High Tower, Adobe Audible, The Summer of 2015, and the entire Emerson family. Thank you for listening to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, Episode 1, A Family of Storytellers. Copyright WTR Extra. All rights reserved. <laughs>